You got a problem, you don't know what to do Your dreams are strange, and you're seeing things too The world is full of mystery Life's more than you can see You can ask pomegranate You can ask pomegranate She's a priestess. Hello, my darlings. Welcome to the podcast, Psychics, Mystics, Priestesses, Priests, Shamans, Weirdos, you know, all you great people out there. Thank you for listening. Um, Today, I want to talk about doing political magic a little bit. Uh, I'll be posting a uh, hour-long or an hour-long session on this topic in a few months, um, doing political magic, where I'm going to teach how to do political magic and talk a little more about the kinds to do and not do. But I do want to talk a little bit today, because the witches, you know, the witches want to do something, and we should. And one thing that's been going around um, is this question of doing political binding. And I have seen a number of people offering binding spells, Um, and one got very famous and I want to talk a little bit about the principles of binding just so if you were interested in doing it, um, you had some tools about whether or not to decide to do it. And, um, the one that was going around was put out by anonymous anonymous put a binding spell out. It's very long, complex binding spell. And I always want to say to myself, when I and I do occasionally put out public spells every once in a while, I'll put out one, hey, why don't we all do this spell? And I put my name on it, because I'm going to take responsibility for the magic that I ask a large group of people to do. And so that's the first thing you want to notice is are what are the red flags when people are putting spells out, um, especially, you know, in this era, 2017, for those of you who are listening in 2020, um, we're still way back in 2017 here, you're time traveling, and we didn't know all of that crap happened. You got to be kidding me. Really? Holy, that's who's president now? Who could have... Okay, so time travel back to 2017 with me and um, be at a place where Donald Trump has just gotten elected and people are doing binding spells on him (laughs) that are put out by Anonymous. Anonymous, that trustworthy priest. Um, So... Oh, let's all use our noggins, shall we? Just because we're witches and mystics doesn't mean we can't have brains and think things through. So... Now, on the other hand, many people on the internet, uh, social media that I've been a part of have had great big uproars about, no, you can't bind. It's like, okay, that's what you say. And they don't really give good reasons why, except for to try to shame people. And on the other hand, other people are like, I shall bind. Some of them are coming up with even more extreme bindings. And um, so there's like kind of, a, you know, a reactionary thing going on. So binding, I'm just going to talk about binding and then I'm going to give you some questions to ask. And these can be asked of, you know, anytime anybody's going to do big magic. Like if you're going to go in for, because by the way, binding is a big magic. Um, Hexing is an even bigger magic. Hexing is such a big magic. Cursing, well, now you've gone into a whole nother world, right? (laughs) You can do it, man. I'm not telling you not to. I'm not telling anybody 
what to do, what not to do. I am going to give you some ideas of the way to think about it. I support a diversity of tactics politically and magically when it comes to defeating or changing the hologram, uh, the concrete hologram and its present backlash of horror shows, the disaster that we're in. Um, I support a diversity of tactics, so I'm not going to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do, and I'm not going to get in a fight about that, And no, nor should you, because one of the ways that we can get defeated is having to fight amongst ourselves about people's tactics. So I don't know if, I think Colette Gardner taught me that one. I think it is a Colette Gardnerism. Perhaps she got it somewhere else, but hashtag diversity of tactics, y'all. It just ends that conversation. Um, about whether or not people should bind. If you're going to bind, go ahead and bind. Um, if you're going to hex, you hex. You know who you are and you know what you're doing. Um, you know what you're going to take on. Um, and if you don't, you'll find out after you do these actions. <laughs> but let me be a professional priestess and give you some tips on how to do this. Now, I will start this off by letting you know, I have definitely done this. I have bound someone with my hands and my magic. I, Pomegranate Doyle, have bound people, one person. And uh, that's how I know so much about it. Now, I've also supported others a couple of times when they've done it. It is a rare occurrence in my life that I would engage in that, and it would have to be so severe that, uh, and that there was no other way to handle it, okay? And that's what my caveat is. And I learned a great deal from it. And here's what I want you to think about if you're considering doing big magic, such as a binding, and this is specifically written for binding, so if, but you can apply it to other things. Big magic with heavy consequences for you. And these people are like, I don't believe in the law three times three. It's like, that's nice. Isn't that nice for you? You don't believe in it. Um, I don't really care what people believe in because the reason I'm a witch is I like evidence for things. And so I'm a witch because I have evidence for air, fire, earth, and water. I have so much evidence for that. I have direct spiritual experiences for it. I have a goddess that I live on called the earth. See, I have direct experience with things. And because I'm psychic, I have mystical direct experiences. So if you're living your life and it's perfectly wonderful and you're going around and cursing the crap out of people and doing all kinds of wonderful things, then you have evidence that the law of return doesn't apply to you. If you're a horrible person and you're doing bad things to people, uh, harmful spells, etc., and you're perfectly happy and sane, then your evidence is that the law of three times three return on me is not true for you. However, I would challenge you to give me that evidence because I have nothing but evidence for the fact that when I put something out, it comes back to me in spades. All right. So let's stick with evidence-based uh, information, shall we? Okay. I'm a little up in arms about this, um, this binding spell that went out, darlings. Here are the questions to ask before perform performing a binding spell or other things. Do I have adequate, adequate training? I think adequate training for a binding spell is you've been training with a teacher intensively for seven to 10 years. What is my intention in doing this binding? We always want to ask what my intention is whenever we do magic. If we don't know our intention, then we're just running around like chickens with our damn heads cut off. And then what is the intention of each step or object I will be using in the spell? Be clear as a bell about why you're including it. So the spell I'm referring to has get an unflattering picture of Donald Trump. <laughs> 
oh, okay. Because what I need to do is bind myself to this person's egomania, their total lack of self-worth, and then bind my self-worth to that. No, I shall not do that. It is unnecessary to um, talk about his ego and or the fact that he doesn't look in pictures. None of us look in pictures. Like, come on, what's the point of this? He's injured. Do we have to bring that up when we're doing spell working? Bring it up on a political level, send out all the memes you want. uh, But do not attack another person's physical value in a spell you're doing unless you want to plummet into a world of self-hate yourself you're binding him to that self-hatred and yourself no do not do it okay um can i meet the intention of this spell with a simpler or more subtle magical action is the person i am binding a person i am already bound to so you get bound to people because you're in a relationship with them or they you've had personal contact with them in which they've done a, you a very serious injury. You may not have known them before the event, but the event happens. That event meant you got bound to them because they've changed your life. And so then you're already bound to them. So that if you're already bound to someone, binding them means you've you, it's not that much more of a step because you're already bound to them. I'm not bound to Donald Trump and I don't want to be bound to Donald Trump. Okay, so. I don't know. No, I do not. (laughs) Help me. Lord in heaven. Um, Am I willing to be bound to this person for the length of the spell? Do I have a start and end date to this binding? Remember, when you begin a magical action, you always have to be ready for the moment when you have to let it go, when you have to clear it. Because to bind someone and to not know that you will unbind them means that you could end up being bound to them for this and many lifetimes to come. I want an echo on that. Many lifetimes to come, 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 come. Right? Do you want to be bound to Donald Trump for many lifetimes to come? Do you? Um, What else have I done magically to solve this problem? In other words, have you tried other things first? This is the last resort. This is because you have to. There is no other choice. Will the binding be effective in in creating the outcome of my goal? So if you bind Donald Trump, then you got Mike Pence, then you got Steve Bannon, then you got Kelly Conway. Like, come on. (laughs) You know, like, mm -mm. Uh, will I be able to discharge the direct influence of this person on me on an ongoing basis. So when you're bound to someone, they are now, you've now bound yourself to their influence. Uh, They're no longer allowed to do the thing you've bound them against, but you're still directly in connection with their influence. And you will need to discharge that out of your life on a regular basis. Can you do that? Do you know how to drain energies? Do you know how to clear yourself? Do you know how to come to a neutral place? One of the most powerful and important tools of a priestess is the tool to drain energies, to clear energies, to come back to a neutral place and to to proceed, to allow there to be a place of nothingness and proceed from there. You have to be able to do that before you bind someone. Do I have meaningful ongoing relationships with the spirits I will be engaging in this spell? If you don't have meaningful ongoing relationship with the spirits, then you are practicing spiritual materialism. If you are working with spirits that you don't know, like in the spell I read, there's a calling up of demons. (laughs) 
you know, fine. I'm not saying don't do that if you know how to do it. If you have, if you are a practitioner who works with demons, then you have an ongoing relationship with them. That's fine. That's up to you. You want to take that karma and you take it on. But otherwise, no, don't be calling up demons if you don't know no demons and you don't know how to deal with demons. Or maybe, you know, like, you know. Um, who is my teacher? Would my teacher support this binding? What I love about these two questions is I had a student come to me and say, hey, Pom, should I do the binding? And I'm like, no. And they went, okay, they did it. They did these two steps. So I'm like, no, you're not doing that binding. They went, okay. Um, does this action have the support of my ancestors? Now, when doing big magic, the reason why I had a hereditary, which is I'm much more likely to do a hexing or a binding is because they have a direct relationship with their ancestors. And they've been trained in that. It's long, it's ongoing. And frankly, they're going to, the ancestors will step in between the witch and, and the karma that comes from the binding and take the hit for them. And that's why they can do it more easily. And that's why it's just fine if that's what they were trained in by their ancestors and by their living relatives, which were relatives that, to do it, that they can do it because they're under a lot more protection than you likely are as a person whose mother was, you know, a, ba a Baptist or something, right? Um, my mother was a little bit witchy, but she was a Catholic. I can't say I'm hereditary, even though she practiced witchcraft all the time right in front of my face all the time but she didn't know she didn't call it witchcraft so i'm not hereditary so you know i don't have that backup and my ancestors are there but i don't have the hereditary there right so your ancestors have to show up for the when the binding i did my ancestors were up in front for they wanted it um <clears throat> what do the spirit guides say have you checked in with your spirit guides today where is my ego in this action Am I being reactive? Have I prayed for guidance? Am I centered in my power, grounded and clear, coming from a neutral place? Who am I protecting with this spell? Who am I harming? All right, look, binding is harmful. If you can't accept that, don't bind. Binding is harmful. It will harm you. It will harm the person you're doing it to. It's just like <clears throat> surgery is harmful. You cannot deny that surgery is harmful, but if it takes the cancer out, then maybe it's worth it. Maybe not. Sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it isn't. Okay. Who am I harming? What am I harming? Do I have the personal health to perform this spell? If you're not absolutely 100% healthy, do not do big, honking, dangerous magic. You don't have the physical strength. You may not have the mental health strength. You may not have the spiritual strength. And you may not have the emotional strength. These are all areas you need to know you're perfectly well in when you step up to do this big, honking, dangerous magic. All right. Those are just a short list of questions you should ask before doing large magic. Um, you can always step back from actions that are directed at something and do protection work instead. Protection work is often more effective and more valuable. And I also want to say, if you have found yourself in the middle of suddenly wanting to do political work and you are going to do, um, because, you know, somebody like a fascist has gotten elected into public office, um, <clears throat> and you have not been doing political magic up till now, the last thing you want to do is go do a binding. 
The binding is big magic you do at the end. It, you know, I could do a binding on that, dude. I have the actual yes to almost all these questions. I don't have the guide. The guides are saying, uh, no, irrelevant. This person, this person is irrelevant to what your ambitions, what your inspirations are, and what your work is here. He's almost to a point distraction. Now, the protests are not irrelevant, but he is irrelevant. Um, but see, I want you to know that I have been doing magic, political magic, my whole life. And as a result, when I come to this moment, I don't need to do a binding because I am in it. And this in fact, as a partly uh, this election is, um, how do I say this without making it sound like I'm a big fucking asshole? I see some of the political magic we've been doing as the result is this election. I'm not saying we got Donald Trump elected, but uh, the political magic was about revelations and revealing and truth and reconciliation. And this presidency has revealed the rotten foundations of America and, and that it's still just as bad as it ever was. And there has been minor improvements and that, you know, Obama's election was huge, but it was just on the surface. It was ra- it was anti-racist on the surface. And we have to go to the foundations and get rid of the foundational things uh, that are supporting uh, the racism in this country. You know, this country was founded on two things, corporatism In other words, it was a corporation and racism. These are the two things that the country is founded on. Of course, you know, it came with misogyny and everything else, but these things were foundations to the country. So the foundations are crumbling now and we have to see the horror that we have wrought with these two things, with corporations and with racism, in order to really allow the dismantling to happen and to do our work of truth and reconciliation, we have to tell the truth. And this presidency is showing that truth in a way that we were certainly West white people, at least me, were inured to. We're just floating in a world fantasy that it was better than it was. Okay. So because listen, the first thing that was sold on the stock exchange in the United States were slaves. Y'all slaves. That's magic. That's a magical act. And people of color are still regularly enslaved in this country regularly through the prison industrial complex and through institutionalized racism. So that needs to be ripped down and that needs to be, the truth needs to be told and we need to have reconciliation about that or no good can come of this place. No good can come of this country. And that is the fact. And now, will the country remain intact in this process? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is we cannot have this. And that, as which is we will all work to, against that. We will use our magic to dismantle that horror show. And we will work to create a world where all people are free, where we have remembered how to be well. Thank you, darlings. Your question's up next. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. Hi, pomegranate. This is Sam from the Northwest. Um, my question today is um, about friendship. I've 
um, friendships are so important, and I feel like they're kind of the lifeblood of what gives their lives meaning. Um, and my question is around uh, your opinions and ideas about communication breakdowns uh, today. Mercury did go into retrograde. I think that chalks up the conflicts that happened earlier today that I'm processing. But also, I'm curious about your ideas of, like, drawing boundaries of friendships or just something I've been processing and figuring out the last few years is kind of friendship styles and energy around giving, receiving, showing up for people and how that looks different and how people have different abilities or family learned uh, understandings or habits around that. So, um, and also maybe around when it's time to let a friendship go or when a friendship is changing or being very intentional and respectful while also navigating conflict within friendship. So I'd love to hear what you think. As always, I really appreciate the show, and I hope that your friendships are fabulous right now. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Sam. Um, Yes, friendships. Okay, so we're talking about spheres of influences here from a magical standpoint. And so from a magical standpoint, and actually from a sociological standpoint, um, they've done studies. Now, you know, some studies are stupid, but... Some studies are interesting and good. And what it, what it happens is not only is the way you live your life heavily influenced by the people who are close to you, but they are also influenced by, so your friends influence you. We all know that. Your friends help you become who you are. Um, but they are also, you are also influenced by your friends' friends. And they've studied this on different eating habits and, you know, alcohol intake habits and different habits that we develop. And so not only are you influenced by your friends, so if they're like fast food junkies, you're going to tend to eat more fast food when you're around them. But if if they don't eat fast as much fast food, they eat a little bit of fast food. But if their friends eat fast food, it influences you because then they're eating more fast food and then you're eating mass, more fast food. So your friends and the influence of them is very vitally important to who you become. And in fact, from a magical standpoint, who you are is, um, is an amalgam of, in other words, a, a, a combination of your influences. So whoever you're hanging out with, they are actually creating you. <laughs> because you've chosen them. Okay. So it's not like you're a victim of being created by them. Nobody's a victim here, right? You've chosen those friends. Friends are people we choose. Friends are by their nature, more, much more likely and should be allowed to be temporary. Okay. Because we don't marry our friends. (laughs) There's no marrying. There's no contract of marriage and friendships. Um, we marry spouses and even those things can be nullified, right? So even that takes a little more work to get rid of a spouse, but friends, they should be more like a floaty energy that come and go and they should be allowed to come and go. And we should not struggle against that. Uh, the, the necessary flexibility of closeness in friendships that sometimes you're very close to a friend and sometimes you're not. And that if we can allow that to gracefully occur without having to harm one another over it 
or, you know, get into any fights over it, that those friendships will float away, but they might just as likely float back again. And that might just be the right thing. And then, uh, and that that's fine. And then there are the friendships where, because we're free to float back and forward in each other's lives, where we float in and we don't ever float away and we get very close and we get very intimate. And that's fine and real. So we can allow that to happen. I have many friends in my life who have floated on up and they seem to be sticking around. It's been 20 years now. Now, because it's been 20 years, I'll be heartbroken if they float away. But if it's time for them to float away, off they go. And blessings upon them. Or if I need to float away. And, you know, when you go through menopause, y'all, you float away from everybody for a while because that the menopause cave is important. And we have to allow our menopausal friends to float on away. Like I have one of my closest friends in my life. Like she was down the street, but she went away for a year, kind of. I had to go take care of her cat. That's how I got to see her. <laughs> I'm like, I'll go take care of your cat today. That's the way I could see her. But I could, didn't take that personally. And I gave her the space to do that because she was in menopause and other things. And she was like, is our friendship over? I'm like, never. <laughs> never will our friendship end because I'm here. And as far as I'm concerned. But she got to float away and that's what she needed. So we can let people come and go. So, but anyways, getting back to the amalgam idea, you are a combination of the people you've allowed to influence you. So (coughs) if you have only a few people, you're a combination of those few people. But if you have a lot of people, you're a combination of every one of those people. And that is who you are. You are literally made up of the people you're hanging out with. That's a magical fact. So if you're hanging out with people who you do not like, you do not like yourself. (laughs) Okay. And you are probably trying to get in touch with your shadow self. And your shadow self is needling you with with people who are irritating you. All right. So when you're having trouble with the people in your life, it's because your shadow self is trying to talk to you. Okay, so that's friends. Now, I want you to remember that you have seven chakras. And that those seven chakras create spheres of influences around you. So at the core, your number one influence is is you. Because you come in with a personality, don't you? You show up, you're a person with a personality. You and your higher power. And so imagine you have a sphere around you and that sphere is um, you, the core self and your higher power. Your higher power is whatever you put your faith in in times of trouble. When you're in trouble, what do you put your faith in? So if you're an alcoholic actively using, your higher power is alcohol. So the number one influence in your life is alcohol. (laughs) So if you're an addict, okay, addicts, right? Recovering addicts, you know, alcohol was your higher power. That's why recovery is a process of getting a better higher power than alcohol, because it's kind of a lousy higher power. So your higher power is whatever you lean on in times of trouble. For me, it's the goddess. So I, me and the goddess, here we are. My number one influence is the goddess and me. I get to be here. I exist, (laughs) right? So that's the core influence. Then you have six more spheres that go out. The farther out you go, the less influence that person has in your life and the less portion of who they are make up you. You see what I'm saying? So... I, the next layer out is the closest, bestest, you know, life partnery people, people who you've made a commitment to go through life with, which could be your friends and could be your spouse. 
Um, and those people are the most influential. They will affect you the most. They will become more like them. You'll end up eating like Colette Gardner. Do not resist it. She's in that sphere. She eats really well. You'll eat really well. My God, I eat really well now. Okay. And that's because I she's in my sphere very heavily. So then the next layer out is your very best close friends, your very best friends. Next thing out is your best friends. Next thing out is friends. Friends are kind of a very casual category, frankly. They're not very close in. See how far they have to come in to get really close to you? They're like, you know, they're your friends. They're your pals. They might be people you work with. They might be people you'll go out to dinner with. You may or may not have them over to your house. They're your friends, but they're not the closest besties. They're just your friends. You might have a lot of those. Then the next layer out is your, um, what is that one? Uh, no, no, it's the one. Thank you, Kayleen. It's friendly acquaintance. The next one I'll see friendly acquaintance. So you know them. You might even remember their name. You may not, but you talk them for a couple minutes in the grocery store. And the next ones that are acquaintances, you might nod at them. You might, you might not. You might never speak to them. You might be like, I won't even have a conversation with this person, but I know them. And then the next level out is all the other, it's everybody in the outer darkness, which is the rest of the world. And, and that, so then they, because we all, we are a collective unconscious. So we all influence one another. Okay. So those are your seven. I'm going to write a book on this. This is your seven layers of influence, seven, seven spheres of influence, copyright, pomegranate, Doyle. Um, and this is all material that my spirit guides taught me as a result of my initiation, because I had a whole shitload of crappy friends with, and I had two boundaries. I had me and the goddess and then everybody else. And I had no boundaries and my relationships were crappy. And I had a bunch of really mean bitches. And I was also a really mean bitch. My initiation woke me up and they, as a part of my initiation, they taught me the seven spheres of influence so that I could put people in the right place. And I could also clear the decks and allow those, um, some of those people who are now acquaintances, like I know them, but I don't want to talk to them. And I'm sure they don't want to talk to me. Listen, I was also a fucking bitch. I was no, I was no good person at that era. I was a bad, I was a badly behaved woman. Um, I had good behaviors, but I had many bad behaviors. Um, so we can put people, we have to meditate on these spheres and understand who needs to go where. And the question isn't really like, is this friendship working out? The question is more like, is this person influencing me in a way that I want to be that? Because you're going to become like them, that I want to hold a part of who they are in my life. I want to be like them. I want to actually part of who their energy is to be influencing me and shaping who I am. Okay, because if you don't like the person, you don't actually want them shaping who you are. So if you've got a person in your life that you don't like, that they irritate you, you need them to go away, and they won't go away no matter what you do, no matter how much boundaries you set. set. By the way, boundaries, 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 and more boundaries. It's a tool of the East. It's the ability to say yes or no to things. It is one of the fundamental powers. And the first one we get as witches and magic practitioners is how to say no and how to say yes. So we go back to yes, no, maybe, other podcasts, talk about that in depth, go look for them. So when the, someone is in your life and you're trying to get rid of them, they keep showing up at other things you're at, or you, you keep trying to do, go to this thing and there they are, you have to do the Jungian thing of writing down what it is you despise about that bitch, <laughs> right? What do I hate about that person? Write it down. 
Like, just tell yourself, well, they're this way, they're that way, they're this way, they're that way. And then just let that list sit for a day or two. Okay. Just let yourself feel it. Like, you know, because they're irritating you and there's a reason they're irritating you. And write it down and let it sit. And then after a day or two, come back to that list and then say, this, and then, you know, put their name at the top first and then scratch out their name and then put your name there. Okay. <laughs> because they are like you. That is your shadow. That is you that you don't like. That's the part of yourself you're pushing away and saying, no, I don't want to be like that. So I'm not like that. And very likely that you hate them because they're doing all the shit you would never let yourself do. You know, like whatever it is, like if they're like, you know, shiny and loud and take up a lot of energetic space and really forcing their opinion out on everybody, that's the thing you work diligently to never do. Okay. And you are, and you push that part of yourself down. So you have to cross out their name and see your name. Matt, Shadow were young was a witch. Okay, just like everybody, a psychic witch. Just everybody know that that's what's true. We all turning into they turn it. He turned it into psychology, and people turn into psychology to make it okay. But it's witchcraft, everybody. Witchcraft. He was a psychic. Young was a psychic. He saw World War II coming in dreams of blood spilling over the mountains, and he had a nervous breakdown. That's a witch, people. He lost his mind because he was too psychic. Okay, anyway, back to this. Cross out their name, you put their name, and you go, that stupid bitch is Palm, not, you know, Sally, Sue Smith. It's Palm. Okay, so Palm, you are these things. That's right, you are those things. So then you say, all right, well, how can I bring this part of my personality to the foreground? How can I love this part of myself? How can I stop denying it, stop pushing in the shadows, and... I did this with one person one time and she was bothering me because she was just so self-centered. It made me nuts. And, you know, really, I was so other-centered too that I was actually mentally ill over it. And I was like, be more self-centered. That's what I have to be. I have to think about myself first and think about me and put myself first and like talk about me and bring up me and talk about what's going on with me instead of just always focusing on everybody else. And that's what I did. And do you know what happens when you do that? They disappear or you like them again. <laughs> One of two things happen. They disappear because they're done teaching you or you like them again. And then you're like, I like you again, float on back. I'll float on back to you. You float on back to me. One of two things will happen. So that's shadow work. And you have to know that you are choosing the influences in your life. And you get to say no, if you're not enjoying that influence, and you can move them anywhere in that seven spheres where you want them to be. It's up to you whether they move in closer or not. It's not up to them and you are not a victim of the people in your lives. And when it comes to your family where you didn't get to choose that, you still have this same, because you're an adult, you still have the same tools to put them in the right spot in your life because you were an adult. When you were a child, you were a victim of those family members and you, there wasn't anything you could do about it, but now you're an adult and you can do something about it. So this applies to all people in your life. It's a question of energy exchange and boundaries, darling. So go out there and assert those seven boundaries. Here they are real quick. You and the goddess, next one out, your <clears throat> life partners, whoever they may be, might be your cat, 
your very, very best close friends, your good friends, your good friends, then your friends, and now your friendly acquaintances, your acquaintances, and then we're into the outer darkness. People you don't know and will never see. And this is the seven spheres of influences. And it's also the six degrees of separation that they talk about so much. Six degrees because you have you and the goddess and the rest are the six degrees. You're related to everybody on the planet through six degrees of separation. All right. Thank you for that question, Sam. To leave a question for me, dial 520-222-9922. Hi, Pom. It's Brandy. I'm wondering what it means in practice when you dedicate to a god or goddess or deity. Um, What does that actually mean for your life? Um, How how are you sure that it's the right um, one? And what would you be doing, like, for them or with them in like practical day-to-day life if you're dedicated to a certain deity or god or goddess okay thanks mom brandy what's the gossip who's this god you've been dating i want to know who was it brandy is it a goddess well knowing you it's a goddess right okay good question let's talk about it um so this goes along perfectly with the last question and the question of influences. So referring back to that, it's all about you, baby, and your number one influence, which is your higher power. So you can go through life and just have like, I know there's a vast something out there, you can consider your higher power love, or you can be alcohol, or it can be food, or it can be you know, anything that you're um, that are is influencing you at the number one thing. And the question you have to ask yourself, Is this the influence that's the best for me? Does it make me well? Does it call me to wholeness? Does it activate me? Does it inspire me? Does it help me become uh, the being that is well? Um, uh, So that's sort of the questions you want to ask yourself. And so, and you can have, you know, a million different gods and goddesses in there. Higher powers don't have to be gods. They can be anything, but it has, you have to feel that it's larger than you, that it has a perspective beyond your narrow human perspective so that you can go into that perspective and understand the world. As I say, you'll know what it is because it's what you turn to when times are trouble. So, um, you know, some people use their own higher power because if you think about the chakra system, you know, you've got an underworld God self, which is below your feet. You've got your own seven rainbow chakras, rainbow chakras. And then you've got the white chakra above, which Victor Anderson called your front porch light. Victor Anderson writes books on, wrote books on the craft, um, and is the founder of the fairy, F-E-R-I tradition, which then, um, he was Starhawk's teacher, Starhawk trained with Victor, and then she started, um, was one of the founding members of the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft, and Starhawk has been one of my uh, formative teachers. I worked with her for eight, 18 years. It was 18 years, Starhawk, if you ever listened to this. Um, and she's a wonderful person and has written many good books. I highly recommend Dreaming the Dark um, as one of her most interesting political magical books. Um, so 
what was I talking about? Oh, front porch light. So it's your God self. So you can just allow your own God self, the larger, most spiritual celestial realm self, or the larger, more powerful underworld realm self be your God's, your higher powers. That can be it. Anything you want. Now, how do we dedicate to a specific flavor of God, of higher power? Because that's what a God is or a goddess is. A goddess or a God is, is a, a certain aspect of the universal nature of God self or higher self. How do we dedicate to it? Why would we dedicate it to it? What's the point of dedicating to it? I'm afraid to dedicate it to it. Well, um, there's two ways. One way, I mean, there's probably a million ways, but one way is that you're called by that God. You've met the God and the God went, you're mine. Boom, 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 boom. I suppose you could inherit a God too that comes out of your culture that you get through hereditary stuff or you go to the god and say are you for me can i dedicate myself to you and also you can have all of those things happen simultaneously um and you don't have to start with the biggest serious most serious answer to that question is shall i dedicate myself to that god because, you know, gods come and go, you know. It, the question is, really, which one is calling your name right now? Who are you working with presently? What is the exchange of service you're doing? Like, what, how are you, what are you giving to that god? And what are you receiving? Because when we turn to a god, or, or I mean, when we turn to a goddess, what we're actually doing is saying, I will be of service to you. Your way the way that you hold magic, the way you hold the spiritual energy is the way that I will hold the spiritual energy. So it's, an, it's about service work. And if you're not clear on it being about service work, what will happen quickly is you'll find yourself involved in that old pitfall of spirituality, which is spiritual materialism. So I go to the peacock god. People love to go to the peacock god or a god called Dionaglas, who's a, a blue fairy god. Even when I say it, didn't you get interested? Blue fairy god. And they go and they're like, oh, blue fairy god. Oh, peacock god. And they go to these gods and they want something from them because they, they're very high glamour gods. They want something. They're like, I want that. I'll be of service to that glamour. And, you know, that's not the soul of those gods, the glamour. The glamour is the, is the cape they wear. The soul of those gods are much deeper and much more profound. So if you go wanting something out of your ego or out of your hungry ghostness, you'll fall into the pit of, of um, spiritual materialism. So we have to really go to them because we've been called or because we are offering our services. We're offering to find out about the depths of that God. And we may get the tool of glamour, but, and we may use the tool of glamour, but only by knowing the depths of that God. And that's dedication and study and willingness and openness. And so um, dedicating is like taking that one step further, because when we work with any God, we should be working in that manner I just described. Dedication, willingness, openness, and allowing us, allowing that God to influence us. Right, right? So if you're going to work with the mother, Mary Magdalene, for instance, you're going to open yourself to, um, when you find her, you'll find that her temples are all 
placed atop the temples of Isis. So all of the temples in Europe were first temples of Isis. So you're going to dedicate, you're going to work with Mary Magdalene. You're just going to be like, I work with her. You got to, you got to be willing to know Jesus then because they were pals. They were, they were many, the way when I hear it, when I talk to Mary Magdalene, she says, we worked together. He wasn't him. It was us. There was an usness to that crew. And we were all divine. We were all born of God. And he was the one of the speakers. So he got known more, but I was with him and I was equal and I was always considered equal. And of course I was not, um, you know, some lowly nothing. And if I did temple sex work, it was because it was my spiritual journey, you know, and then you find out, well, the, the temples of Isis got turned into Mary Magdalene temples. So she's directly connected to Isis. And so then you got to get to know Isis and that's all fine and good. And then the end of the month comes and you, and she's done with you and she's walked away. Mm, fine, fine, fine. To dedicate to her is to say, no, no, I will do, I will listen to you and I will make the altar to you and I will pray to you and I will allow you to change me. And I won't tell you what kind of changes those are going to be. So if you go to Dionaglass and you want the glamour, you're going to the God and saying, here's what I want from you. And we don't do that. We go to the God and we say, what do you need of me? How will you change me? I will change in the way you allow me to. And that's dedication. And we open ourselves. We become vulnerable. We allow ourselves to start from a place of neutrality of not knowing and we ask the question, will you come for me? Will you accept my dedication? And then you can also say, I will dedicate to you for a month. I will dedicate to you for, you know, a moon cycle. I will dedicate to you for a year and a day. It's very old school magic to dedicate to someone for a year and a day. And we don't dedicate unless we've dedicated for a shorter period of time. We don't get married we don't meet someone rush off to vegas and get married the next day if we have any brains in our head because your husband or wife or sundry spouses are the number one influence in your life and you better know who you're marrying well we do the same thing with gods and goddesses we date them for a year so you can you can de dedicate to them for a year which is kind of an engagement and then at the end of the year and a day you say to yourself a year and a day is like, you know, so if I dedicate on January 1st, then it, then it's January 1st the next year. That is a year and a day, just so you know why that funny thing happens. Okay, right? Get that, get the math of that, 365 days. And then the January 1st again is the new, it's 366 days, a year and a day. So um, that's that cycle. So if we dedicate for a year and a day, then we'll know because we'll have done it for a year. Then we'll know, yeah, you're for me or that was beautiful. You're certainly in the pantheon I work with. So that seven spheres of influences can be applied to gods as well. <laughs> Thank you. You're going to go in the friendship zone of God. You know, there's many gods and goddesses I've worked with through the years, and it's very tricky not to just be in the latest fad thing. People get hopped up on things. Um, you know, I work with um, Baba Yaga a number of times, and she is not my my higher power goddess but she's definitely in the pantheon and when i need her i get that old crone out she's the challenger goddess and she comes and she'll come and she doesn't need me she's got people dedicated to her you know but she's there and because i have developed a relationship with her she will be there 
but I don't get up every morning and pray to Baba Yaga. I do get up every morning and go, hey, Bridget, what's happening? Because, you know, I'm dedicated to Bridget. And, you know, light the candle, say the prayers, right? Walk the middle path. That's Bridget's way. And also because I have ancestors that know Bridget, that I have land spirits that know me in Ireland because my parents moved from Ireland um, in the 50s. I have that in my body. I have a right to her. I am dedicated to her. So that's other things you want to look at. You want to look at your ancestral dedication. So that doesn't mean you can't work with a white buffalo woman. Um, you are, if you're not enculturated in First, Na- uh, First Nations is no good anymore, indigenous culture, and you go to an indigenous God without the assistance of indigenous people, and you try to dedicate to that God, you could run into some trouble magically politically, spiritually. Now, if the God comes to you and says, pay attention to me, I'm speaking to you, it's rude. It's fucking rude not to listen to that God. White Buffalo woman has come to me and gone, hey, man, it's me, White Buffalo woman. And I go, hey, I'm Irish. She goes, you're living in North America. You're living on the land. It's all good. And then I go, what do you want? I don't dedicate to her, but I listen to her and then I become of service to her. I would never dedicate to her without having a deeper, more profound relationship with the tribe that works with her. Okay. Um, the more, more directly for me, she who watches, which is a God of the land I live on came to me when I got here. And I don't even know if I was a witch, like could say I was a witch at that moment. She came to me, showed me her face and went, I'm yours. You're mine. We're here together. I'm not dedicated to her, but I listen to her when she shows up and I work with her because she asked me to Right. And I'm also not in denial about the racism and the genocide and all the shit that goes on for First Nations people here and what it's like for them. Um, and I certainly don't claim her, nor do I ever try to make any money off of her. That's right out, period. If I ever made any money through my relationship with her, it would 100% be donated to somebody who had a really, who, who have indigenous relationship with her. See, ancestry is really important in all this, guys. So does that mean you can't dedicate to a god of some god of Europe? I don't know what's between you and them, but you have to have, you have to be able to answer this question, by which right do I do this magic? By which right? And your teacher will help you learn that. Brandy's my student, so Brandy, I'll help you. Um, So dedicating slowly knowing the influence that you want, knowing that it's about you being influenced by them and the way they choose, not the way you choose, knowing that that relationship could be temporary, could be for a year, could be for a month, could be for this lifetime, it could be for all time, um, and knowing that it will change you and it will direct your life. Like, they're in, you know, you're kind of like going, you're in charge of my life now, what do you want me to do? Like, my life is dedicated to the sacred well of healing, to the holy flame of truth um and to the crossroads and to art you know because that's bridget man the third way the crossroads and the third way bridget she's my girl dedicated go bridget okay so that i think is a answer to your question you can ask pomegranate you can ask pomegranate she's a this is Samantha from Seattle. Um, I've been a big fan of your show for years. Thank you for putting it up still. Um, so my question is kind of more about um, a little bit about astrology and just a general resource question. 
um, first part is um, I'm curious uh, how you view, like, the north-south node um, kind of, like, journey in each individual's life. Um, yeah, also allowing for, of course, like, free will and environmental um, hiccups and chaos um, and maybe your views on Saturn returns. Um, I really, really enjoy astrology and believe a lot in it, but also sometimes don't want to be too um, um, uncritical or just, like, give away, like, my own agency um, by just accepting that certain things will be a certain way because I've heard it's been that way for others. So, yeah, um, there's north-south descending nodes and um, sun returns. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on it? Um, also, um, I was just wondering, in general, if you would recommend um, other podcasts. Um, I really enjoy listening to psychic and paranormal, intuitive um, things while I multitask. So, um, people you know or people you've heard about, who all would you recommend? Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Samantha. Samantha, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's things I know and things I don't know. I know a little bit about Saturn return. I don't even know what you're talking about when you say North and South node. I am not an astrologer. And when I try to learn it, I fail. I don't know what won't go into my brain. However, I'm excited because you've made me think I should interview the fabulous and famous astrologer, Rhea Wolf of Turning Wheel Astrology. And um, I will do that. I'll get a I'll maybe I'll get your question on there. And I will interview her. And meanwhile, if you want to hear more about the year's astrology of 2017, I did do a lecture with Rhea Wolf for the Portland School of Astrology. And you can purchase for a small fee, an mp3 of that lecture. Um, it's called Astrology of 2017 Beyond Survival. <laughs> it was funny and good and inspirational. I was inspired by Rhea and she was, I think she was inspired by me. We were inspired together. We giggled quite a bit afterwards. So you can find that at Portland School of Astrology on Facebook or you can go to portlandastrology.org on the web. Thanks for the question. Five two zero two 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 ninety nine twenty two ninety nine twenty two. Hi there, this is Leah. I'm calling from Arizona, and my question is: I have been struggling with insomnia pretty seriously for the last couple years, but on and off for a long time in my life. And I can attribute some of it just to my job being very stressful, but I also have this feeling that some of my insomnia is rooted in older and bigger things than myself, and particularly ancestral trauma and ancestral stuff, and I don't really know how to investigate that further or how to work with that and heal from that layer um, in my insomnia and and I'm just curious what your perspective or thoughts on working with um, ancestral trauma or old, old stuff and old stories is. Okay, thanks so much. Leah, thank you. 
I'm sorry you're not getting sleep. Sleep is the most important thing in our health. Um, going to bed in a reasonable time and sleeping long enough is very important. And yes, it can be very um, disruptive to try to get sleep in a magically agitated environment. And ancestral wounding is the rattling of the ancestral chains trying to um, help you heal. Sometimes that's what it is. So <clears throat> let's talk about basic psychic hygiene in the bedroom. So if you're psychic, which you are because you're listening to my podcast, everybody, um, you need a very clean psychic environment to sleep in. So you're not going to like this, but you got to get the TV out of your bedroom, kids. No TVs, no magical portals in the bedroom if you can possibly avoid it. If you live in group house and you have to, have to, have to have your TV in your bedroom then you got to do a lot of like covering it up energetically and warding it and making sure that the energy is shifted down and um, that it's not infiltrating your space. Like there is no bigger portal in your life than your computer and your TV. So the same thing with the iPad and the phone and the computer and the laptop, you put them out of the bedroom if you can. Um, if you're using them to wake you up, then you have to have them quieted energetically. So maybe you put it on, you know, when you touch that little airplane mode screen, you go, boom, energy calmed. We don't have the energy coming in. So that's the first thing. Don't store things under your bed. I had a period where I wasn't sleeping well. And you know, my, my, my partner, the person I sleep in the room with is a witch. So they know this. (laughs) but for some reason a thing got stored right underneath my head and I started having terrible insomnia and I was like oh my god I can't sleep I can't sleep I'm so agitated I'm really nervous I'm really uh." and like one day I was like what's under the bed because I have a rule nothing under the bed and somehow this thing which my beloved husband bought and put on our bedroom to save our lives was placed directly underneath my head under the bed and it was it said on it emergency exit ladder and it was in case of emergency we could hang this ladder out the window and climb down like i'm going to be able to do that god help me if i ever have to knock on wood but it was right under my head and i'm like what is this doing under my head (laughs) and then there was a long story told to me about how that had happened and now we're going to remove it. But oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then, of course, immediately I went back to sleeping well. It has to stay in the bedroom, but it's put in a place where it's not directly coming at me. Like, you know, Kevin would get up in the morning. There's a period when Kevin would get, get up in the morning and he'd do his meditation. He meditates and he would meditate before his work in the morning. And he would, I, about five minutes into his meditation, I would wake up and go, what's going on? What's happening? What's wrong? His meditating was waking me up. <laughs> it was because, and I said, could you just turn around? We were living in a small apartment. Could you just turn around? And so he turned around and he meditated at, away from me because he was meditating at me. And then I didn't get woken up. Okay. Like this stuff's real. What's in your environment? What's on the walls? Are, is it all conducive? What's, what is the color of the bedspread? Is it all conducive to you feeling safe and calm and going down into sleep? 
Now, if you live in a house where you don't have separate enough space that you can just cast that circle, see other podcasts about this topic, just cast that circle around your house, then you need to have a circle around your bedroom. And in fact, Leah, was it Leah or Leah? Leah, you need to cast a circle around your bedroom because I don't know what's going on. And let's just get that circle up. And let's just acknowledge it every night when you close the door. Make sure the door is closed enough so there isn't a bunch of energy bamming into your bed. Feng shui is important in this. If it feels like there's a lot of energy bamming into your bed, you got to do things like closed doors or, you know, I don't know, feng shui things. Or just, you know, like also think of yourself as a decorator. And if you're not a decorator, get a friend who's good at decorating. Decorators are actually really good at feng shui. If they're if you like the environment they're decorating, they're actually just doing feng shui. Because feng shui just means um, noticing how the energy moves through a room and making sure it's pleasant. So Get a decorator, a friend of yours who's good, to come in and move the furniture around and to put things up and make things look good and remove art that's the wrong art and make sure that it's cultivating an environment of serenity. Your your bedroom is a temple and should be a temple of sex and serenity. Okay? Pretty much that's it. You shouldn't have... Lots, if you can avoid having a lot of study energy going on or a lot of intellectual pursuits going on in the bedroom, and if you are closing that down when you go to sleep, making sure it's all closed down, like it's for, you know, having amazing orgasms and having, you can do that everywhere else too, but the bedroom's for orgasms, which leads to relaxation, which leads to serenity. And it's about the serenity of sleep because you're leaving this world Remember, every 16 hours, we're like, I got to get out of here. You drop down on the floor and you will sleep because we got to get out of here, man. We got to get off the planet for eight hours. We cannot take this shit anymore. This place is not easy, okay? So you got to have a place where you can be serene. So make sure that you are psychically clean. If there's pictures of people you don't like, I feel like there's something in your room that's kind of creeping you out that you shouldn't have. Like maybe it's a gift someone gave you. And that you don't like that person anymore, but you like the gift, like get it out. People give you stuff, their energy is attached to it. You might like the thing, get it out. Maybe you have to clean the thing. I don't know, but don't put it in your bedroom. You need space for serenity. You need a circle. So the influences that are coming at you all day um, are being left at the door. So, you know, ancestral wounding, it might be in your body. You can't clear that out with a casting circle, but you can certainly clear out your mother calling you on the phone today and saying whatever and spreading that ancestral wounding, right? So do that psychic thing. And like before, and when you're doing the change and clearing your room out, do a clearing on your room, you know, use the plants, use the lavender, use the, the sage, burn them, spread them, smudge them use salt or potatoes. I see other podcasts when I talk about salt or potatoes for cleaning your space out. Clear it out. Bring your bedroom back to neutral and then set the intention for it. Set the intention that this is my sanctuary. It's dedicated to sleep. Maybe you bring a statue of um, a goddess, you know, in that's a sleep goddess or Mr. Mr. Sleepy's house. That's what we always do in my bedroom, Mr. Sleepy's house. We're going to Mr. Sleepy's house now. Or, you know, just like a calming, soothing, healing energy. Once you've done all that, also you need to, if you have ancestral trauma or physical trauma or any trauma, 
and you're waking up, you have PTSD or complex PTSD, then you've got to soothe that a little bit as well. So as you're going to sleep, start a little prayer that's about um, my I am safe, I am well, all things are well, all manner of things are well, which is not Hildegard of Bingen as I like to think it is. It's Julian of Nor- Norwich, someone like that. So um, that that is a beautiful thing. All things are well, all manner of things are well, all things are well, because all things are. Another podcast on that one, go refer. And then um, there, I, where I talk about that for an entire podcast. The And then in the morning, if you're having anxiety as you wake up, just notice that. Just be soft with yourself. Just like, ah, my normal morning anxiety. Yes, here it is. That's okay. That's not to do with right now, but it's real. And all I have to do in this moment is breathe. So that's bookending your day with calming energy, your evening, your sleep with calming energy. And now one thing that might be happening to you as a psychic is as you go to sleep, the psychic information is floods in. That's a good time for me for the psychic information to flood in. Um, Colette and I call it our psi mail. We get our psi mail just as we're at that liminal spot. We're not awake, but we're not asleep and we get psychic information. And you can just say to one of your spirit guides, like, hey, can we not do it then? I'll collect the information first thing in the morning. And that's a better time to get psychic information because you can actually then move it into conscious realm. And what you want to do is as you're waking up, you might remember your dream. You might not. Just notice what comes up as you you know, are moving to the bathroom and you're still kind of sleepy or maybe you're getting in the shower. It's like before you do too much and you're in that sleepy head. And so just notice like, does a song come into your head or does a phrase come into your head? Or are you starting to think about something in particular? And as you notice that, you just decide, oh, this is psychic information. Um, and likely it'll be about your day. So this morning, like I've had some things I've been worrying about. And this morning when I woke up, um, as I was softly moving into the beginning of my day and was still quite sleepy, I started hearing, Ooh, child, things are going to get easier, which was nice to hear. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's thanks guys. It was a psychic, you know, they're like, today's going to be a nice day. And today has been a nice day and things are easy today. And so just notice that. And then if there's things you've been worried about, I'll start applying that. Notice as you go through your day, how that psychic information applies, you know, like one time my friend couldn't get the song, uh, stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going around. Paranoia strikes deep. And she was like, I can't get out of my head. And we went, that's interesting. We should probably pay attention to that. And then we didn't. And then two hours later, all hell broke loose in our lives. (laughs) And then we went, yeah, next time we're going to listen to that. So just like part of what might be going on is you're getting needled by your spirit guides to pay attention to the psychic information. Okay. And if you're having ancestral wounding, you can call in, not to your bedroom though, outside your bedroom, you can call in your ancestors who will heal. You can call the ancestors who love you beyond all reason. You can call in the ancestors um, who are the beautiful dead, who are the ones who help the ancestors heal. 
And those, you can make an altar to them. You may not know who they are. You can just make them a neutral altar. You might know who they are, specific people, and put their pictures. And just start talking to the ancestors and start getting their guidance. Because as Alice Walker says, trying to live your life without your ancestors is like trying to steer a ship without a rudder. You've got to have that ancestral relationship. And we all have wounded, horrible, despicable ancestors who haven't crossed over or have crossed gotten lost in the in-between realms or are you know at the roadside of the dead and you know all those bad not bad but not great places where ghosts go and they need help and we all have the sublime beautiful ancestors we all do god like just the other night one of kevin's ancestors came and started haunting us in fact i will like to say that that was last night Yes, we had to do a bunch of stuff to go, oh, dude, no, we don't, we're not, no, we'll deal with you at Samhain. And if you have unquiet dead that haven't crossed over and you don't know how to cross them over, then you, you're going to have to get a witch who knows about the dead to help you. And, um, or go to a local ritual in Samhain. You're in Arizona. I don't know who's in Arizona. I know people in New Mexico. Um, and just go to their Samhain ritual and just say, get over, get over. You, this is it. You're dead. You're dead go to the light you're dead but let that let them do do that at Samhain don't try to do that the rest of the year because it's too much work okay and then the other thing is address the way that your family injury comes through you and heal yourself so if you've got PTSD or complex PTSD from your childhood go to a trauma specialist and get help and once you heal that in yourself miraculously it will heal the rest of your family uh, see, you know, the answer I gave three podcasts, three questions ago in this very podcast about influences, your healing will heal the people around you. So do your own healing work, be vulnerable, be open, be willing, and know that you can slowly heal that and know that your PTSD is actually a very powerful and important tool you developed to say, well, okay, it's, it may not be functioning anymore, but when you developed it, it was important and you used it and don't be mean to yourself about it. It's a useful tool, slow, slow, soft. That's how we heal without re-traumatizing ourselves. Okay. Hopefully that's a little bit of help. I mean, there's only so much I can do here. Um, a good practitioner of course is always good. All right, my darling, thank you for that. And a good night's sleep to you, sweetheart. listening to the podcast i'm happy to be back and thank you kayleen beaujolais producer she does everything and makes it happen and both of us were in the underworld but now we're out and we're raring to record so my darlings if you did joining the binding and now having listened to my opening rant um monologue are like "Uh oh maybe i made a mistake do not fret if you've never done a binding before and you don't know much about witchcraft, it's very possible it didn't work. Okay. And maybe it worked and it's long enough now. You did it. It's like five days of binding. Fine. Or maybe you're hearing this podcast years later and you're like, I better get out of that binding. No problem. If you get into a binding, you can undo a binding. So find the thing you bound if you did a physical object and say, I unbind you, I unbind you, I unbind you and take your scissors and unbind the damn thing. Just unbind and say no harm to you. Hope you're well. Hope it's all working out for you. I choose to unbind you from the spell I bound you from. You can do a binding, you can undo a binding, okay? 
All right. And then just offer prayers of healing for any harm you might have done. That's the best thing to do. I offer prayers of healing to all, no matter the harm I may have done. Remember these people, Trump, Bannon, and whoever, the Koch brothers, oh, those Koch brothers, the Dulles brothers, read up on those Dulles brothers. None of this is new, people. JFK, work with the Dulles brothers. They ruined the world. Read up about those guys and the Koch brothers. You, These people are, yes, horrible, and they're doing terrible things, but they're just like you and me and you're capable of those horrible things and so am I and so what we have to understand when we look at them is they are wounded deeply and that the answer to all of this horror that humans do is to pray for the healing of ourselves to pray for our species to heal our species and these wounds are often caused by damage that is caused by greed and greed is a symptom of the wounding the wound opens and greed fills it up and we need to heal the greed and if we can heal the greed we can heal the wound and so let's do some prayers for healing greed all right have a wonderful day thanks for listening to the podcast